Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today, I'm talking to Kate Quinn. Kate's the founder of a totally unique community of people using heavy metal to enhance mental well-being. As somebody who openly knows nothing about heavy metal, I was really struck by the messages of non-judgment, acceptance and creativity over conformity that literally scream out at you from the heavymetaltherapy.co.uk site and social media. There are so many questions that I want to ask you, Kate, as looking at your website has really got me excited about using music in therapy, but I think it's best to let you talk first. So uh, in your own words, how would you describe the mission of heavy metal therapy? um gosh uh the mission uh i think really uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a mission as such um it's more about uh kind of bringing people uh people together so uh really the kind of principle of it is that um myself as somebody who likes uh, heavy music and also uh, lots of lots of other people that i know both personally and professionally would say that um it's something that's really important to their well-being um so really what heavy metal therapy is about is is bringing those those people together i always say it's more like a library than it is a support group so it's like about sharing resources stories uh stories of recovery we have um playlists and, and things like that so it's really about bringing all that information together and then linking that into social media where people can do sort of peer support things. How did you first come up with the idea to turn your passion for heavy metal into an intervention that could get you kind of out of the therapy room? Um, well for ages um, I regarded my interest in this kind of music as being a little bit of a, um, a dirty secret really <laughs> in the sense that um, I used to, so when I was training, for example, I used to um, like run mindfulness groups and things like that. And we'd be going and listening to, um, you know, tinkly music and doing the body scans and all the rest of it. And I, and I would be thinking, I'm driving to this this group and I'm listening to like Slipknot or whatever it is, <laughs> really, really angry sort of music. And that's the thing that's really helping me out with my stress and stress and anxiety. Um, and yet, you know, I, I felt as a psychologist, I was very much encouraged to um be doing almost the opposite of that that sort of thing um in terms of you know meditate meditative practice or anything to do with music um so for ages I just thought well you know I'm just not going to talk about this <laughs> particularly certainly not in, in a professional um professional context and yet I um consistently met people both through uh, my work and through um you know members of the metal community who would say that actually there's something about the music that calms them there's something about about the music that they find helpful um, and I think as I'd been qualified for a few years I started thinking about well maybe there might be something in it um, and maybe it's not um, it's not maybe it's not just me but also you know m- maybe as a psychologist there might be an opportunity for me to try and pull some of that stuff stuff together um, so yeah that's kind of how it came about I had, there were a couple of people that I worked with specifically who we started thinking about um, music and playlists and, and, and things like that that kind of really set it set it off um but yeah I guess it was a, cum- a, a sort of combination of different things really I think that's so interesting because I actually really hate the twinkly music I think any music that I feel is designed to force me to relax I rebel against quite strongly um so I'm really interested um in how you manage to kind of turn your own preference for music into something that's helped so many people I mean have you looked into how that works like why what is it about heavy metal which is helpful for people um 
yeah so in terms of uh, the research background we have a section on our website called metal university that's got like all the research um the research on it but um for a long time uh, there was this perception that heavy metal music was really bad for you um and there were quite a lot of studies in the um like in the 90s really that talked about um like correlations with suicidal feelings um you know all that kind of it's satanic if you play it backwards type um type stuff um more recently people have started thinking about whether or not there might be a role for emotional processing I guess so uh, it does engaging with something that's quite say angry for example is there a cathartic element to that is there something about that that helps people to um, yeah pro process feelings that are perhaps taboo or that we might kind of think of as being negative or some people might label as being negative um, so there are a, there are a couple of studies that have, that have found that that seems to be the case particularly for people who um, already like heavy metal music um, and there's also quite a bit of uh, research around like the development of the metal community so, so the metal community is a kind of community in itself even if it might be dispersed and sometimes um, online um, that there's, there's some stuff around uh, like um, that being quite a supportive environment really I guess and people have, have actually kind of researched researched that and looked looked into that um, I think for me there's probably something about um, if we think about a lot of coping strategies that people um, are advised around tend to be things to do with like distraction and I guess um, when I think about music it's often used as a way to distract people so um, you know if you've got bad voices listen to some nice music or something like that and that might kind of cancel cancel it out I think for me there's something about um, metal or extreme music that is more of a kind of emotion focused coping strategy so it's more it's more about turning towards something rather than turning away from it and I think that's got an important role role as well um, and perhaps it's, it's maybe a, a slightly different way of using music I guess yeah I really like that actually because for me I use a lot of act therapy in my work and the idea of, of distraction is mostly unhelpful and sometimes I think maybe I'm only analyzing this now, but I think maybe that's where part of my resistance to the like twinkly meditation music has always come from. I love to meditate, but I would normally do that in silence. Um, but I can really see how listening to angry music, if you're angry, could help you to allow that feeling in yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes loads of sense to me. I also like your story because it sounds a little bit similar to the way that EMDR came into the world. Um, I remember when I was doing my EMDR training and they were explaining about how um, Francine Chaparro went through a trauma herself and then was out walking and noticed that her eyes were moving backwards and forwards um, a lot <clears throat> and realized that that was probably her brain starting to process the, the trauma. And it seems like you've almost taken something that was already helping people and just noticed that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think when I've talked to, um, other people about it, they've, they've often said things like, Oh, you know, you're going to have like a heavy metal therapy manual or you're going to prescribe heavy metals to people. So they tend to take a more sort of like medical treatmenty kind of mm. view to it. And that's absolutely not what it is at all. Um, it's very much for, um, people who like already like that that sort of that sort of music um, that's not to say I don't recommend having a go but um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's it's not really about kind of saying oh you know everyone should listen to should listen to heavy metal it's about um yeah highlighting things that that I think were already there in the community and just kind of yeah bringing them together really mm. so has heavy metal helped you personally yeah yeah I mean I wouldn't have um 
it wouldn't have set, set set this up at all if 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 that hadn't been the hadn't been the case. So, um, you know, I particularly remember a period of time when when I was training where I just you know massively struggled with kind of stress and stress and anxiety and things. Um, and interestingly, kind of found myself going back to the kind of music I was interested in as a teenager, really, um, and just found that to be such a um, you know such a massively helpful thing. I could really relate to some of the lyrics. Um, even though I'm sure, you know, in the context that they were written in was totally different to um, uh, to my own. But also it's about the energy of it, I think, that, um, you know, it's totally different from um, in the kind of stuff I was listening to on the radio or, or whatever. Um, and I do, you know, share a little bit on the on the website and also on the social media about, you know, my own experiences and how I kind of relate to relate to that, that music, um, which I think is maybe a little bit of a different way of doing things than you might, in terms of like traditional therapy and you know how we talk about our own experiences as psychologists or if we talk about our own experiences as psychologists in that in like you know my NHS job. Yeah I think there's a bit of a, a movement for change on that front. Um, I definitely feel like when I started out it was very much like don't give anything of yourself um, but these days I feel like so much of our passion the passion that drives us to do the more difficult things, to research something new, to bring something new to people has to come from personal experience. Um, And I feel that the public are expecting that more Mm. and understanding that more. And actually, um, because I I work with quite a lot of younger people and if they couldn't look me up on social media, there is no way they'd come through my door Mm. because they almost believe you're not real if you're not on social media um so so that's something in itself isn't it (laughs) yeah that's a whole other topic (laughs) um but I I do think you know um bringing ourselves to a passion project like this and letting people know that actually the reason you care about this stuff is that it's helped you Mm. that is so destigmatizing so much more than any campaign that the government might put out there Mm. um because, I mean, at the end of the day, if professionals aren't sharing the fact that they've struggled and this is what helped them, then I think the message that we're communicating is still that, you know, it's mental health is something that only happens to some people some of the time, which is not what I personally believe. Um, and I'm getting the sense it's not what you believe either. No, and we sort of, we, we have... Um... Uh, some like principles I suppose that we run the run the project on and one of them is that um, we kind of take what I describe as a continuum approach really to thinking about mental distress or however you want to call it Um, so like our first principle is we all have struggles and that's sort of um, you know so so that might be uh, people who've you know used services extensively it might be people who've never never been near near services at all Um, so we try and kind of have that um, you know real sort of human I suppose approach to you know we're all here for because we've experienced we've got various experiences that might be called mental distress or mental health problems or whatever you want to say. Mm, I really like that I think it's a really warm sounding website I I can't remember if I wrote to you in an email before this or not but I just love the way that your website was written I think it's really engaging and really friendly but not in a like syrupy way um in a like genuinely interesting interested in people way um so I just wanted to well thank you although I suppose um one of the things that I would say is that um although I I run it in a sense that I feel I'm like a facilitator and administrator to it you know a lot of it is made of contributions from other people 
Um, so yes. you know like like a lot of the blogs and things like that we do guest blogs that people um people write in and we've covered all kinds of different things so the most recent one was uh, one about parenting heavy metal parenting um and yeah that, those are those are guest people who do you know most of whom i've i never met before they've just come via the community and offered their um yeah their opinions and and wanted to contribute so Oh, that's amazing. So that actually runs into my, my next question was going to be, how big is the community now and how have you grown it? I, d- I don't know how big it is exactly. <laughs> um, I can tell you how many people follow it on social media, if that's an, if that's an indication. So um, I think about 6,000 people in total probably follow heavy metal therapy in some, in some capacity across all of our different social, social media things. I, I dare wow. say the same people might follow on in more than one thing so it might not be quite as much as as much as that um but then there's there's the website as well and it's more difficult to gauge how much kind of traffic there is there is through there um I mean when I first started it I set it up as a little Facebook group that I thought would be um maybe for a couple of my mates and some of the people that I'd worked with uh, and my initial aim was to get 100 followers or 100 likes or whatever it, whatever it is it's called um, so it's grown it's grown a little bit a little bit beyond that um and it's grown in kind of really surprising surprising ways I couldn't tell you how I've done it because I don't know if it <laughs> happened deliberately um all I can say is that I can remember talking to somebody about it in the really really early days and saying oh you know it's a little thing it's just a bit of fun um and him just looking me straight in the eye and going oh no this will be this will be bigger than you than you think um and that person's still quite involved in heavy metal therapy and I, and I sort of say to him regularly, well, you did say it would be, <laughs> you did say it would be big. Um, I mean, it's not huge by social media standards, but, you know, by any stretch of the, stretch of the imagination. Um, I think a lot of it's word of mouth probably or word of internet because it doesn't really work like that, does it? Not had much success with doing things like leaflets or anything like that. That doesn't seem to, that hasn't seemed to, to help particularly. It's been predominantly, yeah, social media people recommending it um to to their their mates and stuff stuff like that yeah, it sounds amazing and i think you know we can get really caught up with numbers and i think with social media if you listen to any kind of marketing podcasts etc it's all about numbers 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 but actually for what we're doing numbers don't really matter it's about the engagement mm. and how much people are caring about and contributing to the other people in the community and it sounds like you've got that in absolutely bucket loads so I think I think what I am mindful of is yeah it's not it's not so much about the number of followers I think the people that follow it are really engaged with it so mm. um you know once once we got up to a, a certain number of people now it, it's it's easy for me in the sense that I will just say you know can I have some recommendations for songs about I don't know dissociation was one of the most recent playlists that we did and people will just they will just say okay there's this 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 and then they talk to each other and um, I don't really need to do I don't really need to do very much um, so it just kind of happens so I feel as if the people that do follow it are probably quite well engaged mm. um, you know there's a lot of contributions um, there's a lot of uh, people you know talking with each other now and that's so empowering you've empowered them to help themselves and I think ultimately that's what we're trying to do isn't it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so that's the the, the kind of point of it really that you know i say on the website and repeat to say it's not therapy in the sense of I know I've called it heavy metal therapy it's a name that's kind of stuck really um but I mean it in the context more like you know you might say retail therapy or something like that in mm. that sort of in fact someone said to me once it's a bit like reclaiming the word therapy um because it's not that kind of sitting down one-to-one therapy it's more of a something that might be therapeutic 
if that makes that makes sense yeah I really like that because therapy sitting down one-to-one just isn't for everybody I mean there are loads of people that can't access it for various reasons but there are also just loads of people it doesn't suit Hmm. um so I think yeah reclaiming that word and including more diversity under that is really exciting Hmm. so you've achieved great things with this um but there must have been some bumps in the road and some barriers that you faced. Is there anything that you can think of that made it more difficult to get where you are now? Um, I think I, I sort of feel aware that it's kind of my, um, it's my passion project, as you said, or my baby. And I guess um, most of it happens because um, for the love of heavy metal, I suppose. So um, both my, myself and, and the other people that are involved um, do it because you know because we believe in it and because we love it and that's great um but everything that I do on the project has to be done outside of my like normal job <laughs> um so it, it's taken a lot of um time and effort from that from that perspective in a way I don't mind that because that's you know as I say I do it for I do it for the love um but I guess the bigger it's got the harder it's got to kind of contain that um reasonably even though you know you'd think it's quite a niche area um there's been lots there's been a few opportunities I think I'd really love to do more of that but it's just kind of finding the finding the time to do it is a bit of a is a bit difficult um and the other thing I guess that has been hard is that um obviously with like anything to do with music there is a certain celebrity culture I suppose that goes that goes with it so there are just like there are you know pop stars there are kind of big big metal stars and, and stuff like that um we've never been particularly successful uh, uh, engaging people in the music industry to sort of help in in any way and to the extent that actually now I, I almost think that that probably wouldn't be a good idea um but you know I, I guess at one point you know people will often say oh, wouldn't it be great if so and so from this band would like you know endorse it or whatever um, and that's just not been not been something that's either worked or happened um and also something that we just haven't we've decided now that we just don't pursue that that angle because it doesn't it's not it's not great for us I don't think yeah so it surprises me that it people weren't forthcoming to be involved when there are so many celebrities that will kind of adopt the appropriate hashtags whenever mental Mm. health comes into the public eye um without perhaps doing too much to back it up it seems um (laughs) um, but you've decided that that's not a good angle for you guys um could you explain a bit more about why not yeah I think um there's, there's a few things. I mean, first of all, what I said, it's not intended as a criticism of people who are in um, metal bands. I think we recognise that that is it's an industry, and you know they are businesses, aren't they, and brands and things, things like that. And that's something that we kind of um, almost have shied, shied away, shied away from because I think it gives us some conflicts of interest really about having to engage with that. So mm. um, when you know, there's been the odd time when you know people who've been involved in the music industry have contacted us and I've often felt as if um there's a risk that you might compromise your values in wanting them to uh, to kind of participate so um I've sort of felt as if you know it, it's an exchange in a way that that um sometimes feels a bit you know feels a bit uncomfortable we don't have a lot of um power I guess in that <laughs> in that sort of relationship or, or interaction and we're just so first of all we're just not prepared to compromise and you know any of our values or principles for that mm. um and i think secondly and perhaps more importantly is it's a, regardless of being a grassroots organization really in a sense so it is it's always been about 
metalheads for metalheads um and that you know there are other organizations that have gone down that route of getting you know people in bands and stuff to um do interviews and think things like that about about mental health not only could could we not do that i've started to think actually i'm not sure that's a good that's a good idea um so the way that i've left it is this if somebody wants to to be involved that's great that's fine we appreciate it um but we don't kind of chase them (laughs) chase them around yeah i like that actually because i think you're right there is always going to be an element of you having to give them something Mm. um and if they truly just love the love what you're doing um then they'll come to you whereas yeah if you if you're chasing them then i can see how it'd be really easy to start compromising on stuff and actually i think the strength of your message is that it is totally uncompromising <laughs> okay like it comes across as really really uncompromising um because you've got your rules and actually one of them i've got to ask you about because i don't understand it and I, okay um i think that probably everyone else um will know what this means but it's the one about in the mosh pit having okay seen- yeah <laughs> Uh, okay um to be fair it's this is not a, it's not a well used used phrase so um one of our best contributors ben who wrote has written a lot of blogs for us um wrote a blog called you always double knot in a mosh pit mm-hmm. and basically it's a reference to um he went he went to a concert went into the mosh pit uh, lost his shoes in that. <laughs> and this lady had said to him oh you need to always make sure that you double knot in 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 the mosh pit so you need to double knot your shoes in a mosh pit so really it's it's I mean, we nicked it. I nicked it from that blog because I just loved the expression. But um, really what that's about is, is about kind of people looking after each other in the community, really. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, you know, they always talk about, I think it's the, they say the rule of life, the rule of life is like the rule of the pit. If somebody falls down and you, you, you know, you help them up. And I guess that it's kind of that philosophy that we wanted to, we wanted to adopt. So it's about, yeah, looking after yourselves and looking after each other. I love that. I really like it. I'm, I'm going to start saying it now. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> So is there anything like your journey must have taken loads of twists and turns along the way and is there anything that you would do differently if you could go back and do it again um it's really hard it's really hard to answer that because it's it's been quite unexpected um mm. so it's kind of grown in ways that I wouldn't imagine and and actually knowing what I'm like as a person I think if, if you'd have said to me 18 months ago when we sat when when I set it up that it would be like this I would have gone no for god's sake I can't cope with <laughs> I can't cope with that because um there have been bits that I found a little bit I suppose scary um I I, I feel really aware that I've that we've developed something that has started to mean quite a lot to quite a lot of people um that aren't just me and my mates so um that's that's been interesting if a little bit difficult for me to get my kind of head head around um so per- personally I feel better that it's just kind of grown organically mm. um rather than thinking oh you know should, should have done that or, or shouldn't have done shouldn't have done that um I think originally one of the things that didn't work quite so well is that we started off on Facebook and Instagram um, and then we built the website afterwards and actual in actual fact the website is the the core thing that links into social media so I would probably have done it that way that way around I guess um because that's how it works now and that's partly because like people were submitting stories and things and they were just getting lost in the feed and then you'd never see them again and I mm. felt as if people had um you know really really put loads of effort into it um and you know shared lots of personal stuff and then I didn't just want that to get like lost and never seen never seen again so I guess having the website as a hub has been quite important 
Yeah, I mean, it, that's a difficult one because people often ask me when they're starting out, like, do I need a website to get started? And I'm really on the fence because I kind of think yes. <laughs> mm. um, but at the same time, even if you DIY it, websites cost money. Mm. Um, so sometimes you have to kind of start with the free stuff. And what I love about social media is that it is free. You can mm. start kind of talking to people, building that community without having to take any risk. Um, and then you can build your website around what you know people want, which mm. I guess doing it the way that you did it kind of meant that you did that. Um, yeah, and, and the whole thing, the whole thing is based on is based on feedback, really. So, um, mm. you know, we started off on social media and then one of the things that came back straight away was I really like this idea, what you're doing, but I'm not on social media. or I think that it needs to be a website. And, you know, um, so, so very quickly we kind of got got to a place where we sort of knew what people knew what people wanted and that's a really really core principle of the project is that you know it is I hesitate to use the word co-production because in some ways it's I don't think I think co-production is a bit othering but what I mean is that you know it, the members of the community contribute and make it make it what it is it changes because of that you know if people give us feedback we take it seriously we change it on that basis I mean you can't please everyone obviously um but if we make a decision that's usually because we've thought about it and because that's what people have said that they want yeah I really like that and I'll be honest I've never understood the term co-production never understood it got through my whole doctorate not understanding it don't understand it now (laughs) yeah Um, but I love the idea of um, building something based on feedback and evolving according to what people tell you they need and tell you that they want I think that just sounds brilliant so what's been the most surprising or inspiring moment um I think when I first started it I um thought that most other psychologists um or kind of anyone really in a professional capacity would think it was ridiculous um or you know just a bit of fun and um not something to particularly take seriously the thing that's really really surprised me is um the buy-in from both psychologists and also kind of metal academics really so I didn't even know this existed but there is a discipline called metal music studies wow Um, yeah (laughs) and there are you know academics that specialize in in like writing about uh, aspects of heavy metal culture and it's mainly kind of so I describe it as being quite like sociological perhaps so quite a different kind of research um, domain than then perhaps I was used to from my from my training um but you know metal music scholars have been totally on board with um with heavy metal therapy or a lot of them have um and i was able to publish an article in the journal of metal music studies um, wow. about heavy metal therapy which is really cool um so yeah that that's been that that has been a surprise uh, a, re- a real surprise i also looking at your website it's really clear that there's no profit making going on here yeah so I wanted to know kind of how do you sustain the activities that you do because it looks like there's a lot going on yeah um well I think it's a little bit like I said before we do it we do it for the love of it really and um there's not although I although I do kind of share a lot of it in terms of the social media and uploading it and stuff it's not just me um so you know we have people that are involved in terms of helping with social media who, who write blogs who kind of you know we do things we do things together um so it's, it's kind of everyone's everyone's kind of con- contribution um i think it is, it is at the moment still very much something that is done in everyone's own 
own time. Um, a couple of people that have been involved work more in like kind of university type settings. And I think there is probably an overlap there in terms of whether or not um, it's something that could be at least partially supported by um, the organisations that they work in. Mm. I've been less confident about whether or not my trust would ever <laughs> kind of support it. Um, having said that, you know, um, the research department have you know been relatively interested in some aspects of it so perhaps I've been a bit um uh not negative what's the right word a bit um reluctant um to sort of connect the two uh, in a way that might actually not be as accurate yeah but there's there's lots of there's lots of hoops isn't there and lots yeah. of red tape and it takes a lot of energy to think about how you're even going to go about that sort of thing I mean what I was thinking of immediately was something like lottery funding mm. um but there are always kind of caveats on, on all those avenues. But it does sound like, for the moment anyway, you've got a lot of goodwill and a little team of passionate people. And there's nothing more powerful than that, really. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I feel torn about um, the idea of bringing anything to do with money into it, actually, um, or mm. business or funding or, or, or whatever. Because I actually don't, you know, for all that we're not a business, I also would say we're not a charity either. And, it, and that's, you know... A, I feel a bit uncomfortable with the idea of it being related to that sort of sort of thing as well. Um, so really, it's, it's, as, it, as it stands at the moment, I guess the closest thing is it's kind of not for profit, but I don't think it even fits with that either, really. But um, basically, you know, it, if we get any money for anything, because occasionally we do a workshop or something like that, it goes kind of straight back into the coffers for, um, you know, making leaflets or stickers or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, yeah, and I was yes, thinking, that's that. this has to be. I saw on your website you've got some merch, and I was thinking <laughs> this has to be a merch opportunity. Um, yeah, I felt very mixed about the idea of merch. So that that's a very new thing for us. Um, I literally got some test T-shirts uh, like last week, uh, which I'm just kind of playing around with at the moment. Um, I absolutely did not want to go down that route, uh, but again, uh, the people in the community have insisted <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what they want. Uh, so that's fine. You know, as I say, we can change it based on based on feedback. Um, but yeah, so we pretty much just take the cost whatever the cost is we ask people to contribute and that's that really um there's no there's no profit there's no loss it's just straight yeah so it's kind of like an informal um cic model i suppose hmm, yeah yeah i guess so yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense and i was thinking about the merch so um, you can see me i can't see kate for the listeners um but um i'm wearing a this mum runs um jumper and the reason that i bought this jumper was that I was feeling pretty low. So I used to be an avid runner and I've now had two kids and I also broke my hip. And so now I like shuffle around the block like an old lady. I still love it. I still get loads out of running, but I'm not fast anymore. And I bought this jumper after I had my second child and was just feeling really like, well, slightly like a jellyfish. If any, anyone listening's had kids, they'll know what I mean. Slightly jellyfish-like, a little bit like, oh, I can't run, this is sad. Um, and I bought this jumper because it, their campaign, the This Mum Runs um, campaign, is all about like running to improve mental health and women supporting each other and not being competitive and just getting the kind of mindful most out of running together. And I loved that. And buying the jumper made me feel connected with it. And I wonder if that's why your people were like, I want a T-shirt about this. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I think in, in the metal community, like band shirts are quite important. So it's, yeah. it's one of those kind of, it's like a 
it's like an identity badge thing you know so i can i can spot another metalhead mm. because they'll you know they'll probably wear wearing a band shirt so it's a little bit like a, a uniform and actually i think probably shirts are more important in that community than maybe in some in some others and it's just such a thing that's massively ingrained in in that culture you know if you go to a gig or whatever it is you get you, you know there's there's merch and i think people you know feel that they want to represent it which i'm surprised but delighted about <laughs> yeah it's really exciting it's another way for it to grow yeah yeah so we'll see what happens with that so i've got a couple of selfish questions that i want to ask to yeah. finish up so firstly who would you love to see interviewed on the podcast in the future so i can hunt them down um oh who would i love to see i don't know if I would like name anybody particularly, but for me, I guess um, I'm quite interested in community psychology uh, generally. So um, I I think that heavy metal therapy is kind of a community psychology project, um, and I, I I you know I really like kind of hearing about other things that are just like out you know yeah out of the therapy room obviously, but sort of you know fit into that into that thing because I think we talk a lot about community psychology all right certainly I did particularly in my training was always really really interested in it um but it's really hard to find examples of people that are actually doing it mm. yeah that was my experience too and sadly um because I've obviously been really into this um recently I've found quite a lot of projects that started and then failed as soon as the grant funding ran out mm. and because of the political climate that we're in often grant funding works that way like you'll get a lump and then there's no backup um afterwards so um yeah I mean that's partly why I've built the do more than therapy community Mm. is um because I just think if we if we know a little bit about creating sustainability in a project so say for for what you do and for what I do as well um there aren't big startup costs involved no um, there are for some things like there was an amazing project I found that was helping um young people with uh, using gardening for their mental health Mm. and a really great project but obviously it requires quite a lot to get that off the ground because you've got to have the right ratios um you've got to have proper checks for all of the staff you can't just do it with your mates with no um kind of what's the word assurance yeah you've got to do all of that stuff you've also got to get somebody to let you have some land (laughs) Um, because it was all about creating something that they could watch grow and develop and so it took quite a lot to get them started up and then they just didn't know any way of keeping it going Mm. um and I saw I found too many things like that um so yeah I can't wait I'm definitely going to track down some people that have done it successfully so that we can get inspired and figure out how they did it um because we've got amazing ideas, I think. Definitely the people in the group so far, some of the stuff that's been talked about is so inspiring. Um, and it's just such a shame if we end up sort of not being able to keep these things going. Mm. I think the thing that's probably worked kind of quite well with heavy metal therapy is that, well, there's two things really. The first one is that I'm part of that community. So mm-hmm. it's sort of, you know, you're already kind of embedded embedded into it which really helps I sometimes worry with community psychology that it's somebody coming externally and sort of imposing things on on communities um so that's that's kind of one um you know one kind of possible uh, possible issue um uh, but I think the other thing that's really helped is it's kind of niche so it's containable yeah. um so I think I think that's you know it feels like it's something that's okay for one person with a, a team of helpers to kind of manage um Whereas I think, you know, some of these bigger, these bigger projects start to feel like, 
you know you need a whole you need a whole team and <laughs> you need loads and loads of resources or whatever um so there's probably something about scale scale of it mm. and from little things big things big things grow don't they so yeah definitely definitely I think that's a really nice message so final selfish question what two action steps do you want psychologists and therapists listening to this to go away and do now I do now um (laughs) action steps I think the first thing that I would say is I felt really really frightened about the concept of using social media and being so for me there were were two things that, that were really um worrying at the start of of setting this up the first one was around boundaries and social media you know like am I going to get loads of people that are going to contact me in huge distress or you know am I going to get in trouble with my work because I'm sharing my personal experiences on on a public social media forum Um, so that there was that thing um, which was which was which is a bit of worry and the other one was about visibility really and I think that um, as psychology certainly within my training I was never um encouraged particularly to, to to think about you know what would happen if you yeah went on a podcast or what would happen if you um so I'm really really pleased that we've been invited to um speak at the mental health blog awards which is really cool um but that's the first time they're like oh you'll need to send us a picture and I'm like oh no I'm gonna send a picture. <laughs> it's awful. um so the first thing I would say is is actually a lot of my fears about what was going to happen haven't it's been okay so mm. I would say don't be um too worried or as worried about social media I think you need to think about it of course and we've got kind of you know guidelines about what, what we would do in particular situations um but having those guidelines um is one thing it happening all the time is, is different and it doesn't or it hasn't so far um so that's uh, that's one thing and I th- yeah so I'd like to see more psychologists feel comfortable to engage with engage with social media I think yeah, I think I really agree with that. And I think also something about trusting the fact that you have, you might not have had social media training, but you've had ethics training and you've got ethical guidelines and you're capable of applying those to a slightly different landscape. I think I did a course in online therapy, which I actually, I don't regret doing it. I thought it was it was really useful because it gave me a lot of confidence because a lot of what we were doing was debating like the ethics of social media and what what do you do if a a client contacts you on social media and um, what do you do if somebody's very distressed on social media but I really realized that all I needed to do was think back to to training and apply the exact same logic that I would apply to any other Mm. ethical dilemma Mm. and there's actually nothing different about it um and I, yeah, I found that really empowering. So I think that's a really great message for people. Just don't worry so much about it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's all the same stuff that you might be kind of you know, totally familiar with in other things. You know, it's, we're not claiming to be professional advice for anybody. Mm. Um, we, if people do contact us, we tend to signpost them. You know, we, we've got a, a selection of places that do kind of do urgent stuff over, over social media. So we can always kind of direct them, direct them there. Mm. Um that, that's kind of about it really it's you know it's not it's not been it's not been as complicated as I thought it was so I can remember when I first started writing this massive document um and even running it past my manager at work and I'm not gonna get sacked for this am I um, <laughs> and uh she was just like yeah it's fine I don't know <laughs> it's fine <laughs> yeah I mean I, actually that's another aspect because I have started all of my projects um when I was no longer employed by the NHS just because of the way that life turned out for me. Um, but it is really great to hear you talk about balancing it alongside your NHS role. 
and to hear that ha- that has been possible and there haven't been obstructions to that no no not particularly I think um I wouldn't say that um my work supports it in the sense of an official in an official sense but you know they know about it and I I do if there's anything that I think is going to be slightly controversial I will kind of run it past my my manager just in just in case as I say it's not really it's not really been been an issue um but yeah because people know who I am and they also know where I work so it's uh, um and, and in some ways once you have kind of crossed that threshold into visibility of some sort yeah it it kind of becomes easier I think for a while I was hiding behind the internet (laughs) yeah I think it it can feel so scary to become visible um but once you've done it you can't go back from it and I certainly wouldn't want to and I get the impression that you wouldn't either oh no no I think um because it's kind of grown in a way I didn't expect it to do um I perhaps didn't anticipate what I should be preparing for around that sort of around mm-hmm. that sort of thing and even at one point was like oh maybe I need to get like a spokesperson or something so I don't have to go on the camera and I thought no you're just being ridiculous <laughs> about this um and once I think I'd squared it in my own mind that actually that was what that I that didn't really want anyone else to be representing it particularly um or certainly not not because I felt reluctant to go in front of a camera so yeah once I'd kind of got over that so it's interesting because it's been a a personal development opportunity as well as uh as kind of developing the project okay well thank you so much Kate for talking to me today about heavy metal therapy it honestly it makes me feel an enthusiasm for creativity in our work that I haven't felt since training um so I'm sure lots of people listening to this are going to want to connect with you and check out your project. So if they want to do that, they can head to heavymetaltherapy.co.uk. And I definitely recommend the blog because there's some really interesting stuff on there. Um, you're on Facebook uh, at Heavy Metal Therapy yep. and Instagram at Heavy Metal Therapy. Yep. And Twitter is at Heavy Therapy. Yeah, that that's right. right. Yeah brilliant so thank you so much for sharing so much inspiring creativity um no problem thank you very much for having me thank you for listening to this week's episode of the business of psychology podcast if you share my passion for doing more than therapy then make sure you come over and join my free do more than therapy facebook community where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It'll help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.